Welcome to Bipolar Inquiry, drafting and crafting bipolar consciousness since 2016 by philosophizing, relanguaging, and harvesting mania's special messages, meaning visions, extraordinary experiences, ideas, insights, superpowers, possibilities, synchronicity, and parallel worlds. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information discussed on the show is not medical advice. Now, let's get started with this episode. trouble sleeping. I sort of had that fear thing going on in my heart when I was falling asleep. So at some point I got up and I put my heart rate monitor chest strap on and I also listened to a song on repeat that I edited which I made into a little bit of a remix of Foggy's Come Into My Dream. And for some reason, that combination helps me sleep. It's a lot better than taking a pill of some sort. And I also got up and took two more of the Hardy Nutritionals amino acid caps. I take six before I go to bed, and I wasn't sleeping, so I took two more. And I did fall asleep. I didn't have as long of a sleep, I don't think, but sleeping six or seven hours is plenty. And this morning, I've been reading the book Swarm Intelligence and writing a few things about creativity. I feel some of what I've been bumping up against these last days is wanting to live creatively, but facing the reality of living in a room in a basement suite with family. And that feels like a contraction. And yet, at the same time, I probably could create my way out of that really quickly by, say, putting some affiliate links on my videos and sharing them all publicly at once right now, seeing what happens and just wandering off into the unknown. But that would make me appear really crazy and I'd likely get captured and sabotage everything that I'm attempting to create in a somewhat intelligent way. I don't know if it is intelligent, only time and creating it will tell. Because the line I'm going along creating is continuing to do a bit more in peer support for the next month. Then starting the business class, hopefully, and doing that for two and a half months and then launching a business. And then if I do take off, make that trip part of the business launch or having a business that's online, then I can take off on a trip. Because it seems like there's energy from my situation and family that is going to create me living in a basement suite with family for a while and that's okay it seems like that is the image in the mind of my family and so to me that feels like I could see that as a bad thing I could see that as oh 
I'm going to be stuck in a basement suite or I can feel like, well, that's a good thing. I can have my stuff in a basement suite in a family member's house and go live my creative, happy, magical lifestyle without having my stuff in storage or and or having it in a suite somewhere that is less secure and you know more expensive because it's not with family so yeah so it's actually a good thing but it just kind of feels like a crush of my dream to live this expansive different way of living and eventually co-create a creative respite for people so realizing rationally that my family members don't see that and even though I see that as what I'm envisioning and creating for my life they probably see my life as living in a basement barely getting by which that trajectory might be happening at the same time as the trajectory of the possibility of my stuff being in a basement suite somewhere and not really bothering about my stuff but having my magical backpack going on the magical journey which they don't know that I'm planning that they don't know my mind but I can see this adjacent trajectory and I can see that if I resist that or feel angry about that for some reason then I'm going to create more of the me that's angry at that which I don't even know what they're thinking or who's thinking what and who cares. But that actually could be exactly what I need is just a place to have my crap. And I don't even need that stuff, but I'm feeling like some of it could provide ideas and creativity. I've collected a lot of resources and tools that could be good as a start for the respite when it gets started somewhere. Which also could start from scratch, but I don't know about that. So. It seems like it's not good, but at the same time, it's probably perfect. But it's feeling like they don't see what I see. They don't see what I'm envisioning. Of course they don't, right? Of course people don't. But then as soon as I feel that way, then I start getting mad. Then if I have that energy, then when I'm interacting with them and with people, I might be angry and that anger is the seeing that they don't see what I see. But then that's part of what happens in this progression of ego inflation is they don't see what I'm saying. They don't see what I'm creating. They don't see what I'm doing, which can be turned into more ego. Like I'm doing something so wonderful and they don't see it. Why don't they see it? Why aren't they helping me with this? Why aren't they? No, 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 which turns into more me which then blocks the creativity, which prevents the vision from being created. So the vision not being created becomes a self-fulfilling, self-expanding, creativity-collapsing process. And that's often what happens. And then in the process of trying to create something, but that energy be being funneled into the anger of the ego, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of I'm this me, this person with this mood disorder because the mood comes from others around not seeing the creativity and what is being created and what is wanting to manifest and people around seeming like blocks to that. So I could see this trajectory of when I do have some space to myself, it'll be in 
the basement of family members' houses. That is so limiting and bad. But it could be perfect to put my stuff there and be able to take off and not have responsibility of a place of some other kind. Because I do want to go on a trip of some kind for a year or however long, which will help find a place that maybe I want to create a respite. So I'm seeing that process happening a little bit. And then that creates people acting differently towards me because they can pick up on that energy too. It's all one relationship. So if my relationship to them, to other people, is this anger at not seeing what is being created when obviously they can't see it. Nobody can see what anyone's envisioning inside, really. So getting mad at that is ridiculous. So then... That's part of why I was sitting here reading and writing because when I don't have space to myself here, I can't really talk to myself because people can hear what I'm saying and to be in here talking to myself all the time, people might be wondering what's going on, which is fine. So that's one of the reasons why I was reading and writing and I was thinking, well, I could read books and extrapolate them and write a book. And... As soon as I got back into that mode of creating something, then that energy of feeling stuck was gone. Because feeling stuck and being angry about it isn't how to create one's way out of it. So the situation I'm in right now, I have to create my way out of it. Just like I've created my way out of the mental health system, it's not going to happen by default. Default is the current society. Creativity is not default. Default is the ego self. So wallowing in that is going to create more default, which will enhance the trajectory of default being created, which is creative energy being warped into a personal mental illness. When it has nothing to do with the person. It's impersonal. So, yeah. Seeing how I can impersonally create... In the situation that I'm in is seemingly the way to go. The energy last night, that heart stuff, was distressing for sure. But again, this affirmation of sorts of saying, don't make it about me. Don't make this energy about the me. Sure, there's energy in the body. As long as I sleep... It's not a problem and if I'm afraid of it, the fear or naming that energy fear is what brings in the me because it's the me that is afraid of something that it's projecting onto the moment. As far as the body's concerned, it's a bit of a heart palpitation or skipping a beat. It was weird though, the one time my heart was beating it felt like when I opened my eyes I was going into another reality sort of like if there was a wall of water stepping through it it felt like it was matter I got a phone call and I don't know what I was saying and it doesn't really matter I don't care but yeah the gesture of wearing the heart rate monitor helps and 
yeah, it feels like parallel realities of fate and destiny. And realizing I have to create my destiny and sometimes feeling these forces of fate, of the gravity, of the consensus and family conditioning and the fault in a way is feeling like people see the world like I do. And I guess we all feel that. And being in this creative state feeling like, oh, other people would want to create this too, of course. And that's not necessarily true. But doesn't mean that I can't keep on creating. So finding ways that I can create because I'm in this room and that's the thing. Now it's so cold. It's not like I can go outside and talk to myself as much and I won't be able to. So I feel like not having space, not having quiet, not having all these things that I feel my nervous system basically needs. I need to adapt and still be able to be creative because if I'm not in that creative energy, I'm moving with the programs of the self and the ego. And the more I do that, and the creative energy is there a bit, it's going to create more of that. It's going to see all the ways that there are barriers to being creative and create more ego that is a reaction to not having the space to be creative. So this is a lesson really in... A lot of what can accumulate in so-called bipolar and lead to the manifestation of supposed personal moods, which I feel are more that creative energy bumping up against societal structures, which is based on the self. And when that happens, we give voice to more self because there's more energy there to create. So it's going to create more self in the interactions with other selves because this energy is powerful so it will want to overpower other selves because that's the way the creative energy is being channeled that's the way all energy is being channeled into the me into the self into opinions into conflict so it's really easy for when one's epi gesturetic matrix one situation is really structured with a lot of that around it's easy for one to give voice to that when that is what one is interacting with. It's challenging to not. So, like I said yesterday, I had this feeling of getting out of this epigesturetic matrix. And I could. I could pack up my car and go and see what happens. But that would seem crazy. And I want to do that. But I can do it in a way that when I do, it doesn't seem crazy. So if I do that in a couple of months, it's not going to seem crazy because I'll finish my business class, blah, blah, blah. But there's this desire to escape this now. And that, again, is a movement of the self because we as our projections, we're escaping the moment. So when that creative energy comes in, it can escape the moment even better. It can create actions of the person moving through reality in different ways, as opposed to escaping through mental projections, which is what we usually do. We project something mentally and then do little habity things like eat a cookie or something to cope. But with this creative energy, if it's channeled into escape, 
it will devise a very creative escape plan of going on a trip or just packing up and leaving overnight and wandering down the street naked and all these different things as challenging the societal structure. But when we challenge it in that way, we get trapped and captured into the mental health system because we've acted out of seemingly normal range of behaviors. So then we're seen as mentally ill. So can we channel the energy into creating our way through this as opposed to escaping it now? Can we create with the now and move out of it that way as opposed to escaping it now? The equivalent would be, say, if when I was diagnosed six years ago, I decided I'm not doing this, I'm not taking my meds, take, not take the meds, run away. I would just be captured again and medicated even more. But it took me six years to create my way out of that. But then I realize I'm still in a prison of sorts, a prison of not having abundance to live the way I want. And I know that's not true. Abundance is not about money. And I have a, an abundance of energy and creativity, which can easily create money and abundance in other ways and an abundant way of living. So... I could try to escape and live abundantly now, or I could create day by day in a logical, rational way to adhere with the structures of others around me. So I don't seem crazy, but I'm still creative. So creativity seems crazy, but can that creativity be channeled into something like a business, which people understand? And then utilizing that business to live creatively as opposed to going crazy. Because creative energy will manifest as a seemingly crazy person when we're not able to create our scaffolding as a lifestyle, as a way of living to move out of this. So if we're living in a lifestyle that we're always around other egos that are familiar with us, we're going to be reacting to them because that energy of creativity is more energy than regular ego consciousness has. So we're going to seem more moody and more amplified than a regular person who might be just as moody inside, but doesn't necessarily manifest that as action. Because part of creativity is action. Creativity isn't just Rearranging images in one's mind, what happens when we do that is we live in patterns and habit. And that's what regular consciousness people are doing. So when we have more creative energy and we're interacting with somebody and we end up reacting, it's going to be more of an action because creative energy is to fuel action. Not imagination, action. So unfortunately with the way our relationships and our dynamics are set up at present, we're going to be bumping into things in our epigestritic matrix that we will have more powerful actions that seem like personal moods and personal behaviors and acting out of character because creativity is to create new actions and gestures. But unfortunately right now, since that energy feels so trapped in the momentum and the structure and the 
gravity of what is going on now, it just becomes more of what is the problem, which is interacting in these egocentric ways. So I say this today, I might be freaking out tomorrow, but I'm also perhaps going to help somebody get healthy and considering I might want to help people transform and get healthy, that could be a good thing to do, which is challenging, but is that something I want to do? This could be a good way to find out. Do I actually want to help somebody who may or may not be motivated, says they're motivated, but action is different than words. So, yeah, that could be helpful to creating some kind of coaching program. Perhaps I could create the coaching program actually by doing this, helping somebody in the next month. So there are things I can do. There are things I can do within... The prison that I'm in, the prison of weather, the prison of this room, the prison of not having financial abundance to take off. But it's not time yet. But that's the thing. This comes into play a lot in map consciousness is we have a lot of visions and we feel like they have to happen now. They, we feel like they are happening now. The difference right now is I have something in mind I want to create. I realize it's not happening now, but I kind of want it to be happening faster than it is. So it is, again, a similar movement. And even though I understand it's not being created created now, there is this energy that wants it to be created now, which can create this ego anger of it's not being created soon enough. And... Collectively, when we get really angry as creative people, we're kind of yelling like, why don't you see this? Why aren't you helping us create this? And then we get medicalized and pathologized and medicated into being okay with the status quo. And I'm not okay with the status quo of my life. I am in ways for sure. I think part of it is I realize that I can transform really quickly, even if I was transformed into a 250-pound person numbed out on meds tomorrow, I would realize, I would know for myself that I could change that relatively quickly, within a few months. I could get back to what I am now. But in saying that, I see that the environment I'm in now is constraining the next possible evolution of being a business person which would include influencing others to be able to do the same showing other people they can do the same so maybe part of it is I feel like I've shown enough to myself I know I understand and I want to pass on that understanding yet at the same time I know I don't quite understand because I'm struggling a bit and it hasn't been nine months on only micronutrients, which is my goal to be on, yet I'm seeing the situation might make it so it's really hard to get to that nine months. So it's this paradox. It's this paradox of waiting for a certain result and thinking that that 
is the answer and I'm not sure if it is for me but I feel like that will satisfy other people more as well which I need to take into consideration it might satisfy me to drop everything and go on a trip tomorrow and see what happens but without the business structure it likely will be seen as craziness so yeah it's it's challenging to walk this out and be further ahead in the creativity of my brain than what's manifested in my life and that can produce this discordance that increases the gravity on myself and then slows me down which is slowing down the projection of the creativity which is way further ahead so I see that it's also part of the slowing down of the brain mechanism and getting back in contact with egocentric ways of functioning which is part of daily life because that's the structure but how can one operate creatively in daily life I'm wondering can I create this health that I know I can create for myself in a couple months and I have it right now mainly I might try things like the ketogenic diet but can I help somebody else and I want to help other people like me but can I help somebody that is in my vicinity right now do I want to do that it's partly knowing it's partly not knowing if the other person wants to really transform because it is a commitment of sorts so yeah I don't know what I'm talking about I'm just talking to myself and trying not to collapse too much back into egocentricity though I likely don't have any control over that but I can witness it and make meaning out of it and I do think that I need to continue to make meaning I haven't really been doing that I've been talking in ways that reaffirm the self a bit and I don't know I really don't know I'm going to keep talking my way through this part and it might get boring and repetitive like the whole other part and that's the thing that we can speak a million words into the future but we are here right now so speaking so much about creativity in the future it creates something that pulls us towards that but at the same time it can create this it's not happening fast enough thing I don't even know what that means sometimes I don't have that sensation at all but I think it's being trapped in a room as the days are getting colder and darker and seeing it's gonna to be tough to get through this winter and hopefully this is the last winter I have to get through and the last couple days when I felt very condensed and collapsed what brings me out of it quickly is realizing that I have to create my way out 
I have to create my way out. That's the only way. I have to create a business. That's the only way to have abundance. Besides winning the lottery and nothing else is going to create that. So keeping that in mind and heart and hopefully my body doesn't freak out too much in the process. And I'm going to make a smoothie and yeah, I think I've created a lot in mind and I change every day what I might want to do, but I'm going to focus a bit more on writing because I can write. I don't have to be outside freezing cold talking to myself or something and creating a healthy body, Tra mini trampoline, exercise a little bit, just a little bit of everything, nothing to overemphasize, so not even creativity. Can that energy be transmuted into being present? This is going to be too long, so I'll shut up now. I was going to do another lap around the park, but I heard coyotes in the ravine, and I've never heard that before here. So I figured I'd park myself and talk to myself a little more. And... Of course, what I say will continue to be disjointed. And that's okay, because I don't feel that any one thing that I say causes anything per se, but the gesture of speaking in these ways creates some kind of preconditions for whatever else to be created. And I was thinking a little bit about this possibility of coaching people and how perhaps I might be good at it. I've never thought that I would, but this morning I had an insight about myself, how I can be really anally, retentively harsh. And for people that want to hear the truth or something that holds them more accountable, this could be a good skill. And I feel that people who are labeled with bipolar do get in contact with speaking more of the truth. I don't know if it's the actual truth or a subjective truth, but people who are labeled will say things other people don't want to hear. And that's part of what gets us in trouble. But there could be some truth to some of it, but people, so yeah, people don't want to hear the truth or things that are more truthful. We're conditioned to lie to each other and we don't act as eyes for each other, pointing out certain things that might be helpful. It's not that we lie to each other, it's that the very operating system we have within ourselves is a lie. So it can necessarily only create lies. We're lying to ourselves and then we lie to each other, but the very operating system itself is a lie. The operating system of feeling like we have a separate self, like we're separate from, from actuality, that we're not in touch with it. That very operating system is that which creates us not being in touch with it, which is a lie as we are in touch with it. But the operating system is the lie. It's not that it creates lies. It is the lie. And we are that lie when we're operating in that way. 
It's not that we're lying to ourselves. It's that it's a lie that we have a separate self. And this lie keeps us comfortable. I'm feeling the sense of not having a separate self and that's why I'm speaking as that sensation. And it's not comfortable at all. It's very uncomfortable. Since one is more in connection with the truth of connectivity, it's difficult to sit by and watch people eat meat and do harmful things to their body and be okay with it. I must say that I'm not loving all the moments in front of me. I don't love to watch people eat meat, cook fish. It's disgusting. It stinks. It's rude and mean and unnecessary. And so I'm participating in a lie by pretending I'm okay being around that because I'm not. And I'm not okay with people watching TV all day and being on their devices all day mindlessly. So, yeah, that sounds judgmental, but I don't like to look at that. It's like watching a bad TV show that I'm not changing the channel from. And I will change the channel, but I'm just admitting it to myself that I'm not okay when people do harmful things to themselves. Because I was seeing the unhealth of some of my family members and how by participating in my family, if they don't change one day, I'm going to be spoon feeding people or sitting by their bedside and they're not taking responsibility for their health. And over the last years, I spend nearly every single penny that I have on my health or something healthy. Very little goes into something unhealthy or uncreative. And I see all this passiveness and mindlessness and bodilessness and I feel it and then you know this kind of creates a mood in me but if I were to speak my piece I'd say I can't be around this I can't look at this this is a crime this is a crime against the human body and I'm not saying I'm perfect either but I work very very hard at this and then people who are sensitive they're called the non-functioning ones in society, yet everyone, if they don't have a so-called mental problem, they're turning themselves into patients of the medical system by not taking responsibility for their health, for their body. And look at all the chaos that's creating. So it's challenging to be feeling this responsibility around others not taking responsibility and I was thinking, I need to find my neuro tribe. And then I was thinking, I need to create my neuro tribe. And who would be in the group of people I'd actually want to be around? People that don't eat meat, people that don't eat processed food, people. It would be diet based a lot. And people that believe they need to eat meat are kidding themselves. And there's a paleo movement and organic meat and all this. And I don't know, I just, I don't buy it at the moment. Maybe one day I'll eat that stuff. I can't imagine it at the moment. So I'm speaking as that. I find it revolting and yeah. So I need to get that off 
my being because I've tried not to be too particularly judgmental, though I have been judgmental towards the mental health system and how it's a factory of creating mental patients. And it's nice that I've found other people who are saying the same thing lately. It's one thing to advocate for mental health reform. It's another thing to say, this is a process that's creating mental patients. Not make the process better for the mental patients. The process is creating mental patients. Just like the process of eating bad food and rush, rush, rush around is creating a lot of chronic physical illness. Which we think, oh, it costs tax dollars and things, and that's one thing. But it costs other people having to swarm around another when they're in their morbid state of life. In that state of emergency of, oh my gosh, help me because I'm dying or something like that. Because we're not taking responsibility for figuring it out along the way. So that's part of that, and maybe part of my role is to share some of what I've learned about taking care of myself, because it's one thing if I can take care of myself, but if other people can't, I'm going to end up having to take care of other people, and I don't want to take care of other people. I want to create with other people. I want to celebrate with other people. I want to live joyously not use the health I've created to go back and change people's diapers. So I went to Marshall's and I got some warm boots. I'm not sure if I love them, but I don't wanna go everywhere shopping for boots. And I have 10 days to return them, see if I can find something better. I want something warm, that's the basic thing, and waterproof, so I can continue to walk around. And the good thing about having a new iPhone is that it will be water resistant. So that will help with being outside and I need to find some gloves and yeah. And I think I'm going to try the ketogenic fat for fuel diet proposed by Dr. Mercola in his book Fat for Fuel. I read the book or most of it a while ago and I didn't think that at the time was the best time to try it because Hardy Nutritional said don't try any extreme types of diet and I'm wondering if this might help a little bit because I feel or I think that the diet will give me constant access to fuel and energy if my body's running on glucose then I have to regulate my blood sugar through eating, whereas if it's running on fat and ketones, it can take the fat off my body if I'm not eating. And I don't think I'll do that forever, but it might be helpful, I'm not sure. Though I was on a ketogenic type diet before and it didn't prevent hospitalization, so I'm not thinking about it for that. I'm wondering if my heart 
trembly stuff while I'm falling asleep has something to do with low blood sugar, like maybe I should have a snack. And it might not have anything to do with anything, but it's fun to create hypotheses and do little experiments. I thought of some more F's to go with fight, flight, freeze, vain, or free. Free is creativity, being free of the self. And there's also funny. And also, of course, F off, which is kind of negation. If something's fearful, just facing it and being... denying it, really. So that's different than fighting or feigning. It's standing up and just saying, F off. And I was thinking about the standard American diet and applying that to the standard American lifestyle and how that creates so much chaos. And the recovery movement in mental health is about putting people back in the standard American or the Western lifestyle. And there's a different lifestyle altogether, which we need to design and create that scaffolding and move into it in order to find out and discover what it is. And I'm wondering if there is any such thing as mental health or if mental is an abstraction, which is a distraction from the actual. Our lack of in-touchness with the actual creates an abstraction of a pattern to move about the world, but this is actually what creates us not being in touch with the actual. So can we create health in our abstractions that we've made? Our patterns, our habits? I don't know. And I was wondering if part of this weird heartbeat thing that happens to me has nothing to do with mental health per se, but it's another way of the body calling consciousness back to it because Consciousness has created a lot of ideas and possibilities and had visions and seen future creations to move into. But then as that is declining, that consciousness is being called back to the body by giving a little palpitation like, Well, remember you have a body? Oh, here consciousness is re-entering the body because some of it has been diverted into creativity. So I don't know about that, but perhaps there's nothing to fear there at all. Sort of like if I hit my shin on a table, I'm going to be reminded that I have a shin, but I don't need to be afraid of the table. So if the universe gives me a little poke in the heart, I don't think I need to be afraid of the universe, but I'm reminded that I have a heart, I have a body. It's when everything is operating so smoothly that we forget that we have it. So the creativity can be so perfect in a way that one can forget about one's body. And that can happen in so-called mania. We start to neglect our body because we're so into creativity. And the universe might give us a few pokes to remind us that we have a body and to take care of it.
And I feel that the next, one of the next movements will be moving from this thought of intention is really important to perception. So moving from intentional to perceptional way of being because an intention implies a me or a self that has an intention that is projecting that whereas perceptional acknowledges that we have a light that sees behind our eyes and we will act based on what the moment shows us not on our projected intention that we're holding on to there's nothing to hold on to nothing but that's the thing we often do is try to hold on to good things good patterns instead of bad we don't know what good and bad is and for some reason I had an insight into the fact that we're driving our bodies or our bodies are being driven under the influence under the influence of thought and programs and patterns and conditioning conditioned reflexes and this consciousness level of operating based on thought one day might be seen as the equivalent of walking around intoxicated because we're intoxicated by ourself we're addicted to ourselves and our own projected pleasures and operating based on that which isn't the only way to operate perception of the actual moment drives out thought so if we're awestruck in a moment we're not thinking it drives out the self so beauty is something that drives out the self and it's a different driver that drives us so being able to be with beauty and perceive it is really imperative so my heart palpitation-y things could be a perception of the actual and a reminder of the danger of thought. So my heart beats, which is perceiving something actual, but if thought comes in and says, this is a symptom, you're in danger. That movement of thought is the danger, not the heart beating a little bit funny. So if I try to act based on thought which is fear of the heartbeat then I'm acting on something that isn't actual whereas if I say take something like more amino acids or seemingly this gesture of wearing my heart rate monitor chest strap seems to work I'm not sure why but it seems to be a gesture of hugging my heart and putting some touch on that chakra area some pressure of some kind it reminds me a little bit of how Temple Grandin created the squeeze machine to simulate hugs because she wasn't comfortable with human hugs because she had a label or has a label of autism and later she was more comfortable with human hugs but anyways the squeeze machine she needed touch but not the touch of another human being for whatever reason so 
maybe I do need the touch of another human being, but I don't have one. So I use the heart rate monitor chest strap and that's a way to simulate touch there and it seems to help. It's a gesture of that. Just like wearing this earthing shoe attachment on my foot is a gesture of touching the earth. And it's hard to calculate the meaning or the significance of that. We don't really know that. That's the unknown. I could say, oh, I'm putting this many electrons into my body by touching the earth with this foot thing. And that could have antioxidant effects. But we don't know about the gesture of being in touch with the earth, of a human being perceiving the necessity of that or the possibilities of that or opening it up to the earth to have an equal and opposite action upon us. A gesture of wanting to touch the earth and then the earth energy touching us in return. Because so much of what is happening is because we're out of touch. We're not touching. Our brain cells are touching our images and holographic sounds that are on repeat. And that's not in touch with this moment. We're out of touch with the moment. But being in touch with the moment is very challenging. That's what I'm sensing. It's really challenging. It's hard to know what is coming from where. So if I'm not a separate self, what am I? Am I a field of possibility? And one thing I'm not sure about with this whole fat for fuel thing and there's a bit of a paradox in focusing on material health and the fact that consciousness is more fundamental and organizes the material health. So some people that are really materially healthy still will manifest some kind of illness. So consciousness is still primary. But in saying that too, when one doesn't have an ego self-defense operating system as much, one becomes susceptible to taking on energies of other people which can manifest as physical illness in the body of another. And that's part of what is happening that we don't realize that we're creating physical diseases in each other by the way that we interact and the meanings that we've subscribed to or that have been scribed on our brain, written on our brain, overwritten on our brain. And then when that overwriting turns to inciting, we're categorized as insane. So map consciousness is quantum seeing. We see how we're entangled and inseparable. And in that way, it's hard not to feel responsible for other people and the whole world. And then 
the weight and the gravity of that feels heavy. So I'm not sure if this gravity is the ego self coming back or more of it collapsing because there's a heaviness of feeling more responsible and with the ego separation comes the feeling of being less responsible. It comes with a feeling of feeling responsible for only oneself and one's little life. So this is the feeling of the gravity, of the heaviness, of the ego coming back online by necessity because as the feeling of responsibility goes up and there's not enough power in the epigesteretic matrix to take on that responsibility, then it kind of crushes the nervous system of the one who is moving into the non-self algorithm as they're not in a position to take on that responsibility. So it's this paradoxical movement. It really is. It's really fascinating. As soon as one starts seeing it one way, it reverses and one sees it's happening the other way. And as soon as one feels like I need to help others and one feels like I need to help myself, I can only gesture towards myself. It's this movement. It's this wave. But the thing is that there is no division between self and other. So that's where that resolves. So any action towards the self is an action toward another. And any action toward another is an action towards the self. It's an equal and opposite. So if I reach out to another, it's the same as if I reach out to myself. The brain doesn't know the difference. So... From my perspective, I feel like I will choose a path of mastery of this being because I honestly don't feel like most people want to master their energy the way that I would, which is a pretty anal retentive way. It's almost like feeling like if one is anally, retentively healthy, that somehow makes up for people that really don't give a crap about their body. And one could go out there and preach that anal retentive healthiness, or one could go do it themselves. But the thing is, in doing it oneself, it does transfer to other people. So again, it's not an either or, it's a both and. So again comes that feeling of responsibility. We're not separate, so every little gesture ripples outward. Even right now, I'm not sitting up as straight as I could. And that affects the whole reality. And I was reading an article by Dr. Mercola about EMF and how on flights people are exposed to gamma rays, gamma radiation. And I was thinking about how there's gamma waves in the brain and I don't know if they're the same type of wave, but the brain doesn't operate much with gamma at this point. But if one takes this gamma phenomenon and extrapolates it to 30,000 feet, 
when one's brain is operating in gamma, one is really seeing the world from 30,000 feet. Because that's the because that's where those gamma rays are in the stratosphere. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a one-to-one -one relationship. It's just an interesting thing that popped into my mind when reading about the dangerous gamma radiation at 35,000 feet in an airplane. Maybe gamma waves are 30,000 foot view consciousness. And seeing from that vantage point, we can act creatively because we can see the whole thing. Can we see how we are this whole thing that we can see? We can see it because we are it. It's really boggling my mind lately. So yeah, it might be good to attempt to talk about some insights again, like I am. I wrote them down and printed them out so I could talk about them at the park. Because otherwise, there might be a buildup of this energy of an allostatic load of not speaking what I see in daily life. If I'm speaking what I do, and not what I see, then I'm not allowing that flow of perception, which I did a lot of in reference to mental health, but can I continue that with these subtle intimations that are entering this consciousness? And I've talked about how part of the role of this type of consciousness and brain is to harvest these meanings and insights and share them, to make meaning, to create meaning, to create with perception. So I do feel I need to continue to do that and probably change my mind tomorrow. Because I'll forget. can't remember anything. That was funny, actually. I was editing the two videos, and the first one ended when I got a phone call. And by the next video, I was like, I have no idea what I was talking about. And then when I was editing, I was talking about how it felt when my heart palpitation happened and just about to describe going through this wall of water into another reality and then it cut off and then I got that phone call and that's why it cut off and then by the time a minute later I was like what was I talking about but I had it on video so I thought that was funny I won't go into that little story more but I really can't remember anything I have a lot to talk about I'm feeling a heightened sensitivity for sure. I'm feeling this paradox of being a wave and a particle at the same time. Being a human being yet feeling all of the world. And I really feel like I'm feeling that sense that Krishnamurti talks about that I am the world and the world is me. And when one feels that, it's impossible to project a pattern of action. So one is deeply in touch with every moment, and since every moment is so new and different, it changes the sensation quite drastically. Last night I told my family that I wanted to move back to my place that is noisy, 
because then I'll have my own space, but today I'm feeling like that doesn't make sense financially right now. So, yeah, I feel like in this fight or flight state and fighting to have some sense of egocentric consciousness and feeling this world-centric consciousness. But when others don't feel it too, the egocentric consciousness feels like it builds back up. It's this weird thing. And I'm wanting to talk myself through it because I don't think this is going to be something that's quick to resolve. And I'm seeing that it can't be organized because it's a collective phenomenon. I don't know. And I'm seeing the limitations of the family structure because it makes the family members want to protect the family members at the expense of the community and that ripples outwards and I'm not making sense but I'm feeling like perhaps I need to look at this attachment to family which is attempting to love family more than others can one love each person as much as loves family not breaking from family and saying well that's silly I wrote down quite a few things to talk about and I don't really know where to begin this sense I have is similar to the sense when Sometimes in the past I've dissociated and one time I literally jumped out of my bed rushing to the kitchen with my hands out and that was part of the video I showed feeling like oh my gosh I'm going to kill myself and I don't even want to I'm going to destroy the body and I feel like or I had a sense of when I was driving to the park today that since we have this inner self projecting patterns and we're acting according to it with our body we have this inner image equivalent of the outer so when that inner image me ego self movement is ending since it's so tied to the actions of the body we can mistakenly end the body because the inner self if we're trying to do something to end it and that self isn't actually there. That's the thing, we're trying to end something that isn't there. So any movement to end the self is a movement of the self. And then the ultimate act to end the self is to end the body. If there's something that really wants to end the self. So I'm seeing that there's nothing that can be done about the self it will arise when it arises it's not a matter of some movement to create more world-centric consciousness world-centric consciousness is a collective phenomena that 
can't be organized as it is the addition and multiplication of individual actions from individual human bodies at that small level. Just like an ant is both an individual ant, but it's part of the colony which has a greater intelligence than the individual. But the individual ant doing its simple ant things, all the ants doing that together creates this greater intelligence. So I'm seeing that at least today, it's a pretty simple thing. And I'm challenged with the simplicity of it within a family structure and being unable to seemingly do that and wanting to escape or get away I don't know what it is. It's not them. I'm not sure if it's being within a family unit makes it so that ego structure is there more often. I really don't know what it is and maybe that's the step is to really just, I have no idea. I have no idea more than I ever thought that I had an idea after all this talking. I guess I'm seeing the limitations of the family structure. And I was feeling like community is a higher energy than family because it's gestures towards others that aren't related by blood. And there's some kind of power when strangers reach out. And I really felt that when I was first labeled with a mental illness and being around strangers in the mental health community was really helpful because they didn't have their ideas and desires for me. They weren't projecting those hopes and steering me towards something. Whereas I feel like right now I'm being steered. And I'm feeling the magnitude of that, I don't think just for myself, but just seeing how we steer kids, we steer and basically lead people to the slaughter. We lead people to the standard Western lifestyle, which leads to 50% of people being diagnosed with a, some kind of mental health problem in their lifetime. So I'm seeing how that structure participates in steering people towards the mental health system. And they don't see that they're doing that. So it's not anybody's fault. I'm 
just making stuff up. I don't even know. Anyway, I'm feeling like that is a trap and I'm trapped. I feel trapped. And I don't know if I'm speaking only for myself or if I'm speaking for how the family is kind of a trap. It doesn't have to be, but a lot of times it is. And I feel guilty for saying that in a way, but I don't know. Yet, I'm not separated from anyone, so what the hell? I don't get it. I don't get it. What the hell? And it looks like I'll be going to the Cognitive Remediation Conference on Saturday. And I printed off a couple of the papers about medication maintenance, time to rethink. I'm wondering how to translate this ignorance in my heart into love. I feel like I'm attempting to know, to understand. I can't understand that I can't understand. But then how does one move? So yeah, I might hand out that paper to a few people or I don't know if it's a good idea to keep going on this path but even if I end up having to take meds to slow down this feeling of oneness and the sensitivity to dull it out then that's okay I'll just take some kind of antipsychotic to numb myself out for a couple days and then be back on the micronutrients or I don't know if I'd have to slow taper off them again. I don't know how it would work. I should probably call Hardy Nutritionals and ask. And even if I have to do that, it's not the end of the world because it'll show that I can get back quickly. But this feeling, this oneness is feeling heavy. And it goes away. It goes away for sure. So yeah, I feel like I'm feeling the collective. I really don't know. I'm feeling like I'm all of humanity as in a wave, as in a field of consciousness that is all possibilities of humanity and also this individual being, this particle. And it's both and. And then being all of humanity, this separate human body is an agent of figuring out what it means to be humanity or part of or part of humanity. Like the ants have it figured out what it is to be part of an ant colony. And I've talked about with myself how it's in the little gestures. the little gestures of love and I'm finding it hard to reach out in those gestures and one thing I could do though is 
The other day, I didn't leave the $5 in the park. I thought I wanted to leave it somewhere where someone who might really need it will find it, but I think I need to make that gesture. So here it is. I don't have a $5 bill, so I will divide it up. I'll put one here. And two other places. Already I feel a little bit of oxytocin. I feel a little bit of connection. How somehow through that I'll be connected to somebody. Whatever they feel when they find it, I will get that. Not I, I don't know. And I want to call this the stranger effect. Strangers looking out for strangers is really powerful because there's this expectation that family will look out for us and that decreases its meaning. For some reason we're really surprised when a stranger reaches out but we feel entitled to family reaching out and we have patterns of how we believe they should reach out and then when they don't fulfill that expectation creates all kind of conflict so I'm really trying to work this out in my own mind and heart I'm struggling with it the stranger effect the stranger love contagion so I can see this is going to be really really challenging work day by day moment by moment and it might take quite a bit of time to figure out because before I was talking and I was on medication and I was able to write down insights and talk about them but this is really feeling it moment to moment and needing to talk and coach myself through this transition of sorts Figuring out this wholly different way of living, this totally different way of living that Krishnamurti talks about. And I'm wondering why this doesn't feel like a joy. Why does this feel so... Ooh, I think it's the attachment. I feel like if I don't feel attached, then I won't feel love. But it's the attachment that's preventing the love. And it's also the fear that if I'm not attached, I won't be taken care of by my family or something. When maybe it's the opposite. Anyways, I have a lot to talk about, so I have to keep going. I am on the email list for the Daily Stoic and sometimes they have some interesting bits. Stoicism is... I don't know much about it, but I bought the book The 366 Daily Meditations for the Stoic and it said to start reading on the date that it is. So yesterday was October 7th and it was talking about how we can die at any moment. 
And I think I might have been talking about that with myself. And so in reading that, I bought the Embed Private YouTube Video extension to have unlimited embedding. So once it's confirmed that that's set up, I can embed all those videos on my website and then set them up to be released. And I'll probably set the date for June 20th because that's the two year mark of talking to myself, which has some significance. So yeah, I wanna do that because I was reading and this is skipping around a bit, but I was reading the book Swarm Intelligence, which I love this book. It's the greatest book I've ever read, maybe. Though it wouldn't have been this great in my mind had I read it at a different point. It's basically related to the point in time that I'm at now. That it feels so profound. But they're talking a little bit about Leonardo da Vinci and I'm not in any way comparing myself to Leonardo da Vinci, but I'm pointing to the synchronicity of reading, hey, you could die at any moment, and then this bit about Leonardo da Vinci that I didn't know, that he had all these really amazing drawings in the medical field of the anatomy and working of the heart and different animals and things, and he died and it went to some assistant of his and all of his work wasn't shared for many, many, many years. And they're saying that the work could have advanced humanity in all of those fields. So I'm not sure why he didn't share. And they even said he wrote a lot of his stuff backwards, mirrored, so you'd have to look in the mirror to read it or missed words on purpose so people wouldn't be able to figure it out if they did find it. So it just reminds me of myself a little bit how I'm not sharing this yet because I'm hoping to show that I can be off medications and maybe I can, maybe I can't. And maybe that's not the ultimate lesson at all anyway. Maybe it's medications help numb one to the sensitivity of feeling that one is the whole world. It's really painful sometimes and discontinuous and really, really, really challenging. So I'm seeing how easy it is to operate in projected patterns and feeling separate and it's a lot easier. So I'm not sure how long I can go along with this. I remember the very first time I went along with it for two months before I was put in the mental health system. And I thought it was a spiritual thing and that's one of the reasons why I didn't seek mental health help in particular, but it found me, so I don't know. I'm not sure how good it is to keep going with this sense or what. It kind of feels like I'm getting to that point where I can just sit there and say, 
We're killing each other with our thoughts, feelings, and actions. We're killing each other. Look what we're doing to the human brain. Uh, and it makes it very hard to function in life. So, yeah, I'm jumping all over, but that doesn't matter. But this thing about Leonardo da Vinci in this book, and this book, Swarm Intelligence, is really profound. If anyone resonates with what I'm saying, I think they might resonate with that book a lot. It is so good, and I think I might do some extrapolative writing on it. And I want to share some of it. But... So, anyway, back to the Stoicism. They talked about Platoism and Stoicism and skepticism. All these sisms are something. So I created the word manichism. So there's another philosophy which is manichism, a manic philosophy. And that's another thing it talked about in this creativity swarm intelligence book is that it's up to the swarm to decide what memes and words and and gestures are valuable me on my own I have no idea and I think that's part of why we're not figuring it out and we're getting turned into something valuable for the psychiatric system is because we're not able to figure it out we get swarmed by the psychiatric system because the intelligence of this other operating system of world centricity, we're not able to figure it out. So as we're not able to figure it out, we're figured back into egocentricity and we're put in a different caste or tribe, which is being medicated and this could be very necessary. It's all part of it. But the thing is we can start again and learn again from scratch. And that's part of it is each moment is from scratch. So making it an accumulation doesn't work. And yeah, whatever. I forget what I'm saying. So... That's part of the challenge. How do I forget the me? And the me is forgetting itself, yet appear normal to my family, appear myself. I have to appear as myself, as the me, yet it seems like it's becoming less operative, so it's stressful. So there's some kind of manic ethics on how to live and it was interesting because it says Stoic philosophy has three disciplines. Perception, action, and will. And it's interesting that there's a discipline of perception. And perception, action, to me, is the fundamental of what map consciousness is all about. Seeing something and acting immediately. Which 
leads to trouble because we don't think, we don't project patterns, we don't project the invisible curriculum of the morality of society onto what we see in order to act, we act immediately. And that eventually seems crazy. It doesn't seem crazy in an emergency. If somebody sees something that needs immediate action, it's an emergency, then it doesn't seem crazy. But that's the thing in map consciousness. There is this urgency. There is this intensity of immediate action. But I don't think that's what stoicism talking about. It's talking about something else. But it was interesting that it's perception, action, and will. That's the thing I feel like I'm seeing more and I don't know how to act on it or with it or something. And I wonder if so-called bipolar is situational and not clinical, if we're trying to re-situate ourselves out of the situation. A lot of us move away from family and act in the moment as if each moment were equally important and each person in front of us or situation in front of us is equally important and we act according to that, not according to the shoulds of the education, society and family. And somehow for a while we seem to have an understanding of how to move like that, but it isn't sustainable because we're not all moving like that. or. The majority of us aren't moving like that. And I think that's where swarm intelligence comes in. And swarm intelligence isn't something that is invented. It already is. I feel like there's an intelligence that would have us cooperating like a swarm or a hive of humanity. And I've already talked about this with myself. And that's why I feel this book is profound at this moment. So yeah, random memes, we need a new paradigm of mania, a manic revolution, and refining this instrument of perception, which is our vision unimpeded by thought, and action, which is action unimpeded by thought. And I realized too that all this talking I've done seeds some memes out there which the creativity book talks about but I have no idea because it's a collective thing. All this talking to myself is about if we all, as people who go into map consciousness, we're learning together in some way and synchronizing, that would be passed on. So I feel like if we had a creative respite, a hive, where we could move together like this and then that translates out into the world when we move back out into the world. It's not an individual thing. So yeah, the power of reaching out to strangers. What is the new paradigm? We have to create it. And I don't know what it is. And... Reaching out to strangers negates the importance of the family, though that's important, of course, and it augments Gaiahood, 
like brotherhood or sisterhood, Gaiahood. And I know I was meant to read the book The Possibility Principle, which led me to the book Swarm Intelligence, because it has, the Possibility Principle book has nearly a whole chapter on talking about the limitations of objectivity in labeling people with mental illnesses and diagnosing them and how that collapses their wave function and keeps them in that. And it has a whole chapter on that. And so I recommend reading that chapter. And I was, I was in awe of that because this is what I've been talking about and how nobody is saying that. He didn't really attribute it to flow and extraordinary states of consciousness and things like that. But he at least said, he said in the book, Possibility Principle, the possibility principle in such cases can be framed like this. I am not the equivalent of my diagnosis. The diagnosis is simply a set of words used by someone to describe what they think they see about me. I am free to grow, to evolve, to reframe how I think and experience myself. I need not be reduced to the label that has been affixed to me. What a powerful affirmation. I should put that in a blog or something. So it talked about how there's no real thing as objectivity, yet we're training psychiatrists and psychologists to be objective in diagnosing people. But by having that training, they're looking for that in everyone and they could put any diagnosis on anyone really and six psychiatrists aren't going to come to the same diagnosis and it's not objective yet we believe what they say so it has a whole chapter on this I don't want to read the whole thing or anything but it didn't attribute some of these altered states of consciousness to the superhumanity and things like that or it didn't say supposed bipolar or schizophrenia is possibly quantum states of consciousness that then get collapsed into a diagnosis. But it said that it collapses it and then it makes it hard to be free to grow, to evolve, and to reframe how we think because we've been told how to think. And it's interesting, this little affirmation bit that is in this book again, this is exactly what I've been doing. I am free to grow, to evolve, to reframe how I think and experience myself. I need not be reduced to the label that has been affixed to me. So, yeah, and the diagnosis is the psychiatrist's business. They're in the business of that, and I'm in the business of making my life my business and how I experience myself my business. And in that we are one consciousness, I can see how I participate in creating the need for psychiatry by not thinking for myself and figuring it out for myself, figuring my life out for myself. And I feel like that's why Krishnamurti says, you have to give your life to understanding your life. Give your life to understanding your life. Your whole life, your whole being, not, oh, I'll understand this little bit over here and then there's a challenge over here and I'll get the psychiatrist to give me a label and a medication for it. And that's kind of what's happening. And 
I think the book also mentions something about how by labeling it doesn't invite new dialogue and things like that so I'm impressed by this book because it actually mentions this type of phenomenon not many books on like possibility and quantum and evolving consciousness and metaphysics and all this wonderfulness talks about what's happening with psychiatry this is kind of the first book that I've seen that isn't specifically on some kind of mad pride movement or you know the great book the spiritual gift of madness or on our own by Judy Chamberlain or the politics of experience by Artie Lang those are all specifically on that this is on possibility principle and it's drawing these relatednesses and conclusions and making these points and this is something I could do is extrapolate some of these books and put a blog post and then put an Amazon link or something because it's cool that this person is seeing that seeing what happens because this person who wrote the book is a psychologist so and I'm 29% of the way through the book Swarm Intelligence and I think it is absolute genius absolute genius it's amazing and I probably highlighted half of it and I do want to share some of it because it moves to the next bit of what I've been talking about it sort of ties it together and I feel like I'm in the space of living this quantum consciousness and it's difficult to write a book or something but people have written great books because they're able to tie this together I feel like map consciousness turns life into a school of creativity because our original innate creativity that we had as children was squashed by school by education and creativity isn't something separate from humanity we create this world. I remember in my first experience of map consciousness, I would see the honeycomb shape everywhere in human structures and natural structures, blah, blah, blah. It was very salient to me. So I was thinking that the scaffolding is sort of like creating a, a honeycomb, this new scaffolding of living. So It'd be cool from this self-dialogue to invite more people to generate content, participate in information sharing, collaborate, and have this creative manic collective, a collective swarm. And they also used the term creative contagion. And I wonder if we could create the sea hive instead of the beehive, the sea. Sea for seeing, perception, and also for see the speed of light. And I really feel like I'm gonna need to be more careful of how I carry myself. Part of the Swarm Intelligence book talked about how bees, they go out separately and based on the waggle dance, they know who to follow to recolonize or something and 
this self-dialogue is a really, really, really long waggle dance that maybe some of the memes will take hold. So I feel like besides that thing I said to myself about don't make this about me, another one is don't try to do anything about the me. Because it's the trying to do something about the me from the level of the me that is the problem. The me trying to do something about the me. The self trying to end the self. And that movement of trying to end the self creates the self because it affirms that there's a self there. So yeah, it's very paradoxical and oxymoronical and I don't get it at all. And I realize too, this is sort of about to be or not to be the world. How long can this being have the sense of the whole world, of the whole of humanity? And I feel like to protect the being from that one can construct even bigger ego defenses. So I don't know how I'm going to contain this or if I'm supposed to contain this or what the heck. It really feels subtly like that same sense of standing there feeling like I'm going to do an action to end my bodily life and at the same time being in terror of that happening, not wanting it to happen at all. But subtle. It's that same conflict I feel kind of alone and isolated so I started writing a book on creativity and short extrapolations So maybe I'll do that. I also copied some quotes from the book Swarm Intelligence and I want to read some of them because they're so brilliant. So here's some quotes from the book Swarm Intelligence by James Haywood Rowling Jr. And it's really amazing. I highly, highly recommend this book. And these are quotes. So for the rest of the genius, get the book. He says, our creativity makes us agents of change. Underdeveloped creativity renders us exploitable as agents of the status quo. So map consciousness is creativity. That fizzling out and being captured by psychiatry is 
being agents of the status quo. Those are my extrapolations from what he wrote. And then he gives the example of Neo from The Matrix, and he says, In other words, Neo's creativity is first framed as a criminal offense, a transgression against social standards and expectations. His creativity is a danger to the status quo. And he also says, creativity is destabilizing, but it is also incredibly enticing. We know that feeling. It excavates the undiscovered resources embedded in the social landscape and shifts the society's center of gravity in preparation for, it, for an advance that is mutually advantageous for us all. And that's what we're doing as people who go into map consciousness is we're harvesting new meaning and we're attempting to share that. But we're sharing that through words and getting mad about stuff and it's likely at the level of the gesture, just like the simple actions of the ants, creates the creative collective intelligence. And he says, Steven Pinker was suggesting that there is some next great 21st century scientific revolution on the horizon waiting to happen to us all. But the idea that there is a key scientific concept missing from our toolkits lends to a misperception, causing us to rush right past a vital understanding. And I think this quote ties into the Possibility Principle book. We're not understanding that we're both a separate agent and part of the whole at the same time. So each ant is a separate agent, but it, but its coherent actions and gestures contributes to the whole intelligence, each ant together. So we're not seeing this togetherness and what we can build as a humanity. Oh, and this is where he gets to the point. He says, the point here is, what if the next cognitive revolution waiting to happen is not scientific at all, but is better characterized as a creative transformation similar to Neo's? Now, why this is profound for me is because many of us who go into map consciousness even have something that's called a so-called matrix delusion. We feel like we are Neo, we feel like we are in the matrix, we feel like we're transforming in these ways, and this book is saying maybe that's what the next transformation is, a creative transformation similar to Neo's. And this is where the leap isn't being made to, hello, this is already happening to a lot of people, and then they get swarmed into psychiatry. It's just written all over these amazing books, but not related to, this is already happening, not like, oh, there's a creative transformation similar to Neo's that might happen in the future. It's already happening, but we're not seeing it. And then they're saying, but the idea that there is a key scientific concept missing from our toolkits lends us to this misperception. The misperception is we're putting science onto this creative transformation and categorizing it, and that collapses the wave function and mutates the creative brain into being that which it is collapsed into through science. So science is collapsing creativity into a mental illness, a personal mental illness. It's assuming we are separate people that don't have an effect on the whole, that are objective, and the subjectivity of psychiatry putting it onto people is creating people as mental patients. So it's all this loop tied in together, and it's pretty obvious to me 
And he says, our creativity is a social form of intelligence, allowing us to connect, relate, join forces, and pool our resources so that we are less alone, less vulnerable, and less able. And this is what we need to do as people who go into map consciousness. Exactly what he just said. Connect, relate, join forces, pool our resources so we're not alone. So in our aloneness and our vulnerability, we don't get swarmed by psychiatry. If we're a swarm and a hive together, we have that herd immunity. We'll be immune to their memes and we'll be able to stay in a state of creativity. Possibly. I don't know. We haven't done this yet. And the author says, through the force of our creativity... Yada yada, we affect the surrounding world for our mutual gain. So how can we do this but make it so it's mutual gain? And often when we get some semblance of functioning back, we use that functioning to fight the system or change the system. We don't use it to create a new one and join forces with people of our neuro tribe, of the creative contagion, of the manic contagion, of the map consciousness, trans consciousness, contagion and trans consciousness is nothing but acknowledging consciousness is trans we're both the consciousness of all and the individual consciousness and it's all related interconnected interdependent ties in and those are lovely words but lately I'm feeling it for real and the words don't describe the sensation at all and the author says, as a result of a swarm of creative activity, the effects on our common culture are incremental but consistent. A convergence of creative practices result in culture's evolution. So I feel like map consciousness is part of cultural evolution. But right now, we're transformed into a culture of mental patients. I just realized that some of the quotes didn't print out because... I had my phone on airplane mode and it didn't sync with my computer so I'll talk about the rest later but there's a couple more according to the author two aspects of what he calls workbook mentality are quote to do as instructed unwilling to freelance troubleshoot or float outside the line in search of alternate perspectives and to accept as valid and viable what has been completed in prior exercises Unable to envision the validity or viability of what is not yet visible to anyone else. So, there's a lot in that statement, but what I'm doing is searching and creating alternate perspectives and not accepting as valid and viable the psychiatric interpretation of what's happening in this transformational process. And... I see that people aren't able to envision something that's not yet visible. So it's part of our job to make this visible, which is this creative, artful way of living and being. So it's not yet visible or actual or felt as a sense to others that we are really connected, not just to each other, but to the whole planet. And one other quote, he says, In summary, schools do what they are intended to do. Schools underdevelop creativity in favor of the development of citizens who are easy to categorize, easy to sort into cubicles or assembly lines, and easy to manage. 20th century behavioral psychology and the principles of scientific management converged in the classrooms across the nation to shape a system of education that penalizes unpredictability and, the, and a lack of adherence to prescribed metrics. However, creativity will not be contained. 
creativity breaks free. It expands to new territories and crashes through barriers, painfully, maybe even dangerously. Can we locate creativity's social origin? And if so, how can we better understand its purposes towards the development of learning without containments? So map consciousness is learning without containment. Map consciousness is moving us back into creative living, not going back to school to learn creativity or creativity in the classroom. But since it was so programmed out of us, now we're in contact with that creative energy in daily life. Seeing creatively, creating new perceptions, seeing new meaning as education is a process of programming and conditioning meaning into us and then we repeat those meanings and that's how we live as habits and a cog in the machine of society. And he also says, the impulse to preserve the stability of the known world will often squelch the emergence of the revolutionary unknowns that creativity tends to unleash. And that's what psychiatry is doing. So those are all the quotes I have now, and I think the other ones were even better. And yeah, I don't know. For listening to Bipolar Inquiry. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, use your voice, craft your consciousness, embody your potential, enter a quantum paradigm. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information in this show is not medical advice. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.